Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. Yes, quantum mechanics of the Force. No, that is not a thing. 
that either of us are qualified to be speaking about. Instead, Q stands for questions. Questions of the force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I've got Napsack here for the A's, the answers. But what I love is, you know, we've set up this wonderful game we play of like, what could Q's mean? And Q, Q ain't the easiest letter to swap in a, a word or name. <laughs> it really isn't. I, I, I like the way that you described that you're here for the A's. And it, it made me think that there should be an old comedy duo called Q&A. Only... <laughs> One can only ask questions. One can only answer, and uh, frustration and comedy ensue. Oh man, we need, you need to write the little stage <laughs> play for that. We can do that there. Uh, I'll work that up, and you, you and I can do that as a is an old radio bit uh, sometime. All right, we are very excited to be here as always. We have some really fun, really different questions. So a couple that I was uh, one in particular, I was deeply challenged by. But mm. before we get to that, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's right. It is for anything that you can make play in MP3. This week, we are continuing to recommend The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis. It is a great book about the marriage, the honeymoon, the joy, and the trauma of Leia and Han. Uh, we think it's great. We did a big review. So if you'd like to listen to that review, but you'll want to listen to the actual novel first, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, Ken, were, were you challenged by any of the questions? <laughs> I'm literally scrolling here on my iPad. Yes. One I did research on because I was going to, I had some snarky, jokey answer and, and, and a real answer, but then I was like, let me research that. Oh, no, my jokes are actually true. So uh, we'll get to that. Uh, and then, yeah, kind of. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. This is interesting. I love this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did some research on one of them too. And, uh, and yeah, there's some just solid answers. Uh, yeah. We're just going to leave this as all mysterious to hook <laughs> our listeners. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to start, as always, with two questions uh, from listeners on Twitter. We're going to start with Kevin Booth. Kevin says, hi, guys. Love the show. Going back through some old cues of the force, I've heard you discuss trailers. What to reveal versus what to keep hidden. Slightly different angle. Can a trailer help your first viewing of a movie? Thinking specifically of The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. I love both these movies, but can see how people may bump up against them in the initial viewing. Could the last Jedi trailers have included some comedy beats? And could the Rise of Skywalker trailers have let us know Palpy was just back? Forget the how, enjoy the why. This is fascinating because Kevin's bringing up just a kind of a general question of, you know, what truly is a trailer's job? Is it to tease you? Is it to inform you? Is it to warn you (laughs) that it's exactly this kind of movie? So please go in, you know, prepared for, for the story that wants to be told. But then this idea of is it even possible for trailers to kind of get ahead of, you know, what might be something that people bump against? Uh, so I found this question really fascinating. What was your overall reaction to this to this question, Ken? This is a great question, uh, Kevin, and it's very a, a question of the modern era where I think audiences expectations for trailers or what they carry into the movies can sometimes be uh, a problem, sometimes can help. And this is a question that's more on the positive side of it. Also, you know, look at some of the book of Boba Fett stuff of, uh, you know, if they had let me know this and, and I don't 
always agree with that, but I uh, I think I get it sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And so I I go there first with that. And again, it's changed. Like we we, we can make the jokes about old trailers. I love making. If you ever I've mentioned before, but the first Pink Panther movie trailer. Oh, it was hilarious to me. It's just a, here's David Niven in a scene with Peter Sellis. Let's watch them do this scene. And it's just, it's just, they give the movie away, right? And it's just a different time. And, and spoilers is a different word now than it ever was before. So that's where I start off uh, overall. This is a great question for the modern era. Yeah, no, I, I think I've been thinking about it from, I guess I wasn't alive in, say, like the 1940s. So I don't know what the average person's response to marketing was. Mm-hmm. But seeing marketing from the 1940s about movies that I really like and seeing how much of the marketing is just hyperbole. Mm. I have to think, and I could be wrong, but I imagine that audiences at the time were used to trailers that were just like, every trailer is just like a huckster on the corner, just saying anything to get you to buy it. We all know it. That's what we know. This is a commercial. We know they're just like saying anything to get us to, to buy this snake oil, right? Like they're, Films I love, like uh, Maltese Falcon and like one of the most famous posters is like is Sam Spade with two guns, a gun in each hand. And it's all about shocking violence. And like yet there, there's some violence in that film. He never at any point is like two guns blazing, you know, jumping, uh, you know, at this well, shooting two guns simultaneously, you know, and like uh, and, and maybe that's a cultural thing. Maybe it was, you know, very, very, yeah. very violent at the time. But I, I just just. Even just a kind of a standard trailer, right? There, back in the '40s and '50s, it's always like the biggest musical. The, right. it, it will change your life. You've never seen water dance like this, and you mm. never will again. Like, just a sense of hyperbole. So, I think for me, that's almost where I start. Of like, where are we now? Is a culture? What do we expect out of a trailer? Do we expect to be teased? Right. Do we expect to be to see a bunch of things that we don't know the answer to, but we want to? Or do we want like a really, really honest summation of this is exactly the kind of thing this is so you won't be bumped by being surprised that it isn't something else? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think we might be reaching that point where where we kind of sometimes need it. But then, you know, then again, part of the press and the marketing is is the interviews, right? And, and you and I have re- referenced mm. many times before of, of Ryan Johnson going, hey, hey, um, there's some um, I, there's some comedy in The Last Jedi. Get ready for it. <laughs> and by then the tone is set. Everyone, and, and I, I put myself in that too. Uh, some of the older discussions I've had uh, on uh, other shows of, of uh, you know, oh, this is, a ba- this is a Breaking Bad guy. This is Looper guy. Oh, this is going to be a little different Star Wars. Yeah, you know, that, that, that was out there. So I get it. Maybe that's where... That's one of those movies where we go to of, yeah, maybe if expectations had been um, primed a little bit, pumped, we would have had a different feeling. I don't know if I don't know if, it, if we can't go back. I don't know if Last Jedi would have been universally loved if people knew that there was porgs. Uh, well, they did know there was porgs. What am I saying? Yeah. Porgs, but some of the, the humor. Of it. Yeah. And I think it was one of the commercials uh, or maybe the final, final trailer that had the porg slapping into the window, which is one of the most just kind of slapsticky comedy mm-hmm. beats in The Last Jedi and and all of Star Wars. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. So there, some of it did leak out at the end. Yeah, I think g- getting into the specifics of Star Wars, I, I get so torn. I-, I feel like, yeah, why not remove an obstacle to people enjoying something? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the Book of Boba Fett trailers should have had Mando in them at this point. I just, mm-hmm. I, I do, because mm-hmm. it just, it bumped a lot of people who would have otherwise enjoyed it. I think Favreau and Filoni should have been saying, 
this is a part of the Mandoverse. It's a chapter in this story. It's a real focus on Boba Fett and his journey, but it's a part of this whole overall story we're telling. Because mm-hmm. then when people got to those two, to me, phenomenal episodes, yeah, the entire narrative wouldn't have been, where's Boba Fett in the Boba Fett show? It mm-hmm. would have, you know... Uh, so on one hand, I kind of feel strongly about that. And I, what, what are you, what are your thoughts? No, no, I, I think, cause I think where you it sounds like to me, unless I'm wrong, that you're like, you've kind of come to this decision, right. Versus something maybe going in. Cause now that we know, and we know some of the discourse that, that and discourse is a nice way to describe some of it. So yeah, I could see it now uh, where the uh, one trailer had one trailer ends, you know, you know, how those, those trailers work where all of a sudden you like, it fades out and then all of a sudden Mando pops up. And exactly boom there you go like okay we got it oh and the trailer ends right on that beat like okay that, that would have worked for me um and and because i i think my instincts to say nah I'm, I'm glad i'm happy with the way it was but then i have to be honest about w- w- the conversations that emerged and that's you got to look at the greater maybe perhaps the greater good versus my uh, my individual desires for what i want in trailers you know what i mean so i think that's where i i understand where you're coming from yeah, I mean, there's nothing perfect. And I think, I believe, as you have pointed out before when we've talked about this, if they had done like a Mando teaser in the trailer, the first, you know, four weeks of Bofit discourse would have been, where's Din Djarin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, what it's about is is trying to balance what I think is ideal versus accepting what is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my ideal world, we would barely have trailers. In my ideal world, our culture would be A creator has made something, empty your mind, widen your mind, go in and try to see what it is. Leave all of your expectations outside. You should get no assistance whatsoever from the creator of how to interpret it. The thing, the story should be the only thing you're engaging with. That's my ideal world, but it has nothing to do with reality, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's just not the way that our culture is going to absorb things. Uh, People love trailers. I love trailers. People love the hype. We do come in with our baggage. So I think kind of trying to wrestle with that, you know, in in balance for that makes sense. So then the other side of this for me, Ken, as we get into talking really about The Last Jedi and and Rise of Skywalker trailers, is I kind of think that almost all of the modern Star Wars trailers have really... Um, played fair, right? Um, mm-hmm. The the saga trailers, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, they opted for a little bit of the more of the mythic uh, and the weight of it. Uh, but for kind of like the core ideas and some of the themes and even some of the tones, I think they're they're playing fair. Uh, the solo trailers, in contrast, really show a lot of action. They have a bunch of straightforward comedy beats, like you know. Mm-hmm. Han, Han saying funny things, Han and Chewie having some buddy comedy moments. Uh, they even have that kind of sort of guitar <laughs> yeah. riff yeah. sound to make it feel a little bit more modern. So like in, in modern Star Wars trailers, I, I really see that like I think they've been trying to tell people what they are. And I think in a lot of instances, chunks of the audience did not listen to what the trailer was clearly saying. A hundred percent. And I, I will be the one who's a little bit more aggressive. Well, you missed it. Not forcing our listeners. <laughs> Let's be at a bar. <laughs> they did tell you. You weren't paying attention. Um, yeah. And you yeah. mentioned the solo trailer. Right, that's why I'm going to talk more about that one. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Because uh, mm-hmm. that is dealing with our specific question. Then we can get into yeah. solo because I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, for me, when I say I think they're playing fair of like 
yeah, not every Last Jedi trailer had a moment of comedy or or Ryan Johnson's really kind of distinctive, fun, silly sense of comedy mixed with the depth. Uh, they they did emphasize the weight, the the myth of it all. But in terms of other things that people bumped against in Last Jedi, you know, Last Jedi literally has, you know, Luke Skywalker saying, this is not going to go the way you think. It, it, that first trailer, you know, teaser ends with him saying, it's time for the Jedi to end. It's got the scene where he is saying he's never seen, you know, such raw power as Rey's except for once before. And it didn't scare him enough then. It does now. It tells us very, it shows us very clearly that Luke Skywalker is full of pessimism and fear for at least part of that movie. There's, to me, no way you could really dive into those trailers and think that Luke's going to take that blade from Ray and go, let's go and ignite it. You know, there's <laughs> yes. nothing in the trailer uh, that would suggest that he's just going to be, that he's been secretly plotting, a, a, you know, this great hero moment on the island, right? Yes. Um, and then for everything else, it, it, it's really those trailers are really telling us the primary plot threads, threads are Ray and Kylo, uh, their incredible power and how they're going to choose to use it in their place in the story. So it's so kind of straightforward stuff. So that to me is, is Last Jedi is clear on a lot of things. And then people went in hoping for something that I think the trailer isn't isn't no. advertising how do you feel about that do you agree or I, I i agree very much i think outside of some maybe individual examples the boyega stuff some of the great points he's brought up about the marketing particularly about force awakens mm. uh, i saw some of the posters the other day i was on a, on a wiki and you know uh finn with a, a lightsaber shine his face that that's some bigger that's beyond just star wars and 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 we yep. talked about that you can get that discussion a couple weeks ago here on our star wars news episodes outside of that kind of stuff i really have always agreed with you on the, the trailers, you say played fair. I say they're they're honest with leaving room with a little intrigue. I love a good teaser trailer, perhaps even more than the main trailers, just mm -hmm. in general. Uh, I like the, that kind of thing. But I think particularly with Last Jedi, a lot of people were focusing on that line. It's not going to go the way you think. But then I don't think they really engage with it. I, I think there was uh, some deniability in our own brains of, of <laughs> wanting to ignite the green. Something I wanted too, by the way. Uh, and, and so then when he tosses that saber, no matter if you like that or not, or like the way he did it or not, that it, 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 you're kind of like, well, there you are. They kind of, they kind of, kind of said this. They kind of said this. Uh, just makes sense. Even if he's going to pick it back up and run down the hill, there's going to be some resistance. So I, I really do think it's always been honest. Thematically, the trailers are always honest. Yeah, I, I really agree. And, and for me, the, the Rise of Skywalker, I think both the teaser and the main trailer is pretty honest about the themes of the film. It, it's about fear versus hope. It's about, you know, following your instincts. It, it's about, you know, being the spark uh, and keeping that alive. It, it, it's about um, this uh, idea that we are stronger together in particular, like that line that isn't actually in the film of Palpatine. And now you're coming together will be your undoing. Right. So I think it really resonates with a lot of the themes that are in Rise of Skywalker. But I remember thinking about this when the teaser came out that, that they released in, in Chicago uh, that I love so much. That first teaser yeah. where Luke Skywalker says, you know, we've taught you everything we know, uh, you know, a thousand generations live in you. Here's the shot of Hans Blaster, the Skywalker blade, this sense of Ray carrying all this history. And then Luke Skywalker. <laughs> a voice you can trust in star wars says <laughs> but this is your fight and yeah. still a large chunk uh, of the audience not everybody but you know some vocal people were like 
I think uh, that the the ghost of Luke and Anakin are actually going to come back and save the day, right? Yeah. Some people still want that. Some people hope for that. Uh, and I don't know how that teaser could be more clear. Uh, Luke Skywalker saying to Ray Skywalker, <laughs> Ray at the time, to Ray and the audience, that this is your fight. So I think those kind of moments make me feel like, yeah, sometimes no matter what you put in the trailer, yeah, audiences are going to have hopes and they're not they're going to think that the trailer is misdirection. They're going to think oh, it looks goofy, but the real movie isn't going to be goofy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things. And, and, and uh, this, I love we're taking this conversation a lot of different spots. Yeah, I, I think, it, first of all, we we're, we're always want expectations and hopes to be part of fandoms because they're part of mm-hmm. art. Uh, and we've said that before. We'll say it again here. Uh, but kind of what you're saying, too, of, of there's um, and maybe it's not just Star Wars. Maybe it's marketing outside of this of, oh, they're swerving us. Oh, they're swerving. Mm. I think we here force it have always kind of come back to what you're like talking about. No, no, Luke, the number one trusted source in Star Wars theme voiceover (laughs) is telling you what this is going to be about. What those details are, we are going to find out. Um, Beyond whether you want to see a Force Ghost Army helping Ray or not, um, I think the movie was telling you, no, that we're not going to be there. Um, So, yeah, I, I feel you on that there. And I don't know if anything would have changed that. Yeah. How do you feel just just for for fun? Um, and because I think it's a very good point that Kevin brings up to come up with some specific examples of things that people bumped against. Uh, I know when the Rise of Skywalker trailers came out, I, I really did think a part of the story would be learning how how Palpatine came back. I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to people and myself, sort of speculating and theorizing, like, well, maybe Ray and Kylo both feel the call of you know some death star wreckage and he's haunting mm-hmm. <laughs> something there and he's a power and they're wrestling with whether or not to unearth him and they do like and all i had all these things and then yeah i, I still remember kind of being blown back in my seat of like the dead speak he's back <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, you know so i'm right there with with that like oh yeah I, I had that whole imagination uh because the trailer is not addressing how he came back or if it's going to be a part of the story do you feel like if in the trailer we had the, you know, much debated, much criticized moments of Poe sign and saying somehow Palpatine returned and Beaumont Kin saying, you know, dark magic, science, the cloning, secrets only the Sith knew. Do you think that would have helped or would have people just hated those moments in the trailer and it would have done damage to the film? I think hated is uh, is uh, is a strong word, but the, the right one. Uh, I, I can't imagine that have gone well. Um and I, I, in the full, you know, if, if there was something in the full length, the, the tease is perfect. I, I wouldn't have nothing, mm. nothing. That that laugh that no one has really ever gone. I mean, granted, you and I then saw McDarmid come on stage and say, "Roll it again." So, as a special place in our hearts, we understand that. But um, man, and get the Brian War "Roll It Again" T-shirt on his T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't just just those moments, right? Um, if it, you take those lines, I just, yeah, it might've been something, might've been something uh, not worth what you put into it. You know, not, not, you're not getting out what you want out of it, I think. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing is in, in at the end of the day, I guess to me, the trailers played fair because they don't suggest that mm-hmm. any part of the plot is the question of how he comes back. I just kind of thought that they would. And then when I realized they didn't, I was like, oh, it's because they're not concerned about that in the story. He is an 
evil space wizard who has been obsessed with cheating death <laughs> yeah, yeah. for decades. And the, the story isn't super concerned about how he came back. So in neither of the trailers. So I guess to me, they, they play fair. Yeah, yeah, for better or worse uh, in terms of movie. I, I, I do have the answer, though. We just saw a great <laughs> uh, answer put out this past uh, week here on, on Star Wars. We needed a Rise of Skywalker, Ian McDiarmid clip like Cassian Andor, Diego Luna himself, explaining the timeline for Andor. Yes, it appears I died at the end of Return of the Jedi, but I learned the dark secret of throwing my soul to a clone. Right? Yeah. Just have that long out, shortly after the... My fall in the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So what are your thoughts on so the solo trailers? Well, well, uh, you know, Kevin asks, you know, is there a, a trailer that's maybe helped your first viewing of the movie? And I do look at some of the solo stuff, both the tease and the main trailer. You mentioned the rock and roll vibes. I think it just helped with the tone stakes, the vibe. Also, rest my heart at ease um, uh, that... Uh, um, what it looks like. We didn't get a ton of Alden in the T's. Remember that was kind of a we haven't mm-hmm. heard speak yet. And, and that built up again, I think some perhaps um, negative expectations of, well, I, you know what? They're not letting him speak because it's horrible. Right. Like, mm. you know, I think that happened, but I think that you go back and watch that trailer. And also I mentioned stakes, but like I personally came out of it thinking this is what it's going to be a Han Solo uh, adventure slash origin story. He's not blowing up death stars. Nothing, perhaps galaxy isn't at stake. Uh, it is down the line and he has a part in that. So therefore it has its own kind of high stakes, but it's this Han Solo adventure. It's one of the things I took out of it. And I think the trailer just kind of calmed my nerves about what we we're going to get. Yeah. And that great interaction, you know, with Kira of, of mm-hmm. saying, you know, I, I know who you really are and who is that? And that cocky smile that immediately fades. I remember just kind of locking onto that. Cause like, okay, that's the heart of this movie. Yeah. It's a fun adventure. There's comedy. It's an origin story, but it's wrestling with at the end of the day, who is this person really, you know? Yeah. So that, that one did that rise of Skywalker, uh, a teaser for me in, in particular, um, yeah, I, I went off on my flight of fancy thinking that there was going to be more about how Palpatine returned and was able to let that expectation go. But that whole, you know, uh, Luke narration of, you know, we've taught you everything we know, a thousand generations live in you, but this is your fight. That really prepped me for the movie. And I got really, really excited about that. So that was a really positive thing to say. Ray's been wrestling with the responsibility, you know, denying the call of the blade, but now she has it and she has to make her choices. The next generation has to fully step up. Mm-hmm. That got me really excited for that story. And I did get that story in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just fine. I mean, I'm one of those people that just randomly goes to YouTube and just starts watching all these trailers for hours. So I love that one. I think it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts uh, on this uh, on this big question of can uh, the trailers really set you up for exactly what the film is? No, just a fun question, Kevin. Clearly, we have thoughts on and experiences. A lot of it again from is from our perspectives. You know, um, mm-hmm. again, you know, porks popped up, and maybe that didn't change anyone's minds. Maybe it should have. I don't know. Maybe maybe we didn't need porks. I don't know. But that'd be a loss, I think, for the world if we didn't have porks. So, uh, yeah. No, and it's good. And, and again, it, it changes, too. And we're, I think, are in a new era. This Andor thing we're talking about of, hey, here's the timeline. Uh, it's probably because research has shown maybe people go into Star Wars movies and shows not quite sure of where it is because we're not doing this in order. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's changed. That's probably something that uh, they learned even maybe going back to Rogue One of, of is that Daisy Ridley? Uh, which also <laughs> might have to be with uh, what your casting choices might be too. So though Felicity Jones and Daisy are both wonderful. So yeah, uh, it's an ongoing discussion because things change. Yeah, I think my final thought is to to uh, generally uh, agree kind of with Kevin's premise, if I'm interpreting it correctly, that the movies should try, trailers for movies should try their best to give an accurate depiction. And even though I think like Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker really were honest about the themes and some of the stakes and who is the main character and what is their main conflict, the choice for those saga films is to emphasize uh, the weight, the myth, the almost operatic, you know, a uh, uh, family story. And I can see that maybe it would have been better to be like, it, it's got all of everything, you know, from star Wars, it's got the weight, it's got the myth, it's got the weird aliens. It's got the sense of fun. It's got the adventure. And maybe, maybe trailers should go back to uh, having some element of, you know, to bring it all the way back to like 40s, 50s to say like, it has it all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) It's got action. It's got drama. It's got relationships. It has questions about the force. It's got a weirdo animal. (laughs) It's got it all. Do you want, what do you want in Star Wars? It's got it all. You know, it's funny. You were taking us back to the beginning. You were, you want us to go back to the original Star Wars trailer <laughs> on the galaxy. This could all be happening now. Like that. And you know what? That's a great idea. Oh. I think, I honestly do think for whatever is next for big screen Star Wars, in in my opinion, it should. Because mm-hmm. the, it, we've talked about it a lot. The sequel trilogy is at least partially about nostalgia. Uh, that they were coming out at, at a point where that was kind of a big push in art and entertainment to celebrate the long decades long connection that people have to stories uh now there's been such pushback on that idea of nostalgia i think that it would be wise to advertise films with a sense of the new right those original uh uh, trailers are all about like you guys have never seen this bleep before (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and that's part of what makes them so fresh and exciting i love this yeah yeah great Great question, Kevin. Thank you so much uh, uh, for that great question that took us in lots of different uh, uh, directions, including wrestling with our own feelings. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to our next question from Twitter from Daniel Mormack. Daniel says, uh, this may be headcanon, something I heard on Force Center, but now it's blurred into, did I hear it? Make it up? Read it? Intuited? But did the Jedi Order have jobs within the Order? We know they had an archivist, uh, but were there or would there have been bankers, architects, etc.? Uh, this is really fun. Ken, I did some research on this one. Is, is this the one you also researched? Yeah, yeah, because I went to my more, my normal jackass routine of, uh, let me make a joke about quartermasters and ship mechanics, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, they've got quartermasters and ship mechanics. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Yep. So, uh, I, yeah, they're just the main... Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, what, what'd you find? What'd you find? I, think I was going to say from Wik- Wikipedia, the main ones that I found are ones that, you know, we've seen in different uh, stories, the Temple Guards, obviously, that uh, we mm-hmm. see in, in the Clone Wars and Rebels and all sorts of places, a Jedi investigator, uh, a consular Jedi, uh, that's a, a Jedi who is particularly trained in, in diplomacy, uh, chief librarian, you know, archivist like uh, Jocasta mm-hmm. New or uh, or Boleyn in the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. A Jedi seeker, a Jedi whose primary job is to uh, seek out uh, younglings who are force sensitive. A Jedi way seeker is a character 
type that we met in the High Republic, I believe, is where mm -hmm. we first met them, but a Jedi who gets permission from the Council to say, I'm not going to be sent on missions to the Council. I have to find myself in my own place in the Force, so I'm just going to go listen to the will of the Force for a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like you found even more. What did you find? A little different subsection stuff, and, and you're right, the, the High Republic and even some of the comics of the last few years have had the ability to spend a little more moments, a little more beats with some of these ideas, right? This is where some of the information seemed to come from because it's in the canon tab, and I'm sure Legends, I didn't, mm. you know, not that I, uh, you know, get it from the Legend side. I just didn't know what I'd find in there, right? That's when you would Jedi Gardener might exist, but that's also not a bad idea. Uh, there is the Jedi Service Corps, uh, which helped younglings and Padawans that failed their training uh, connect. Mm. They wanted to still feel the call of the Force and, and still want to be here, which is great because I, I love that kind of idea. It, it, why would why did I grow up assuming that you take your trials and pass? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what if you don't? And what if you're not a, a, a natural fighter or a natural negotiator or a natural leader? All these kind of different things that are maybe required in the Jedi Order it just makes a lot of sense. And there's four branches within that which include agriculture. So there's the gardeners. Mm. Stas Ali is listed as leading the medical corps. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that all contracts, you know, I you know, looking across at the game of Thrones, the night's watch. Ooh, a big thing. Oh yeah. You're a ranger, but also there's stewards and there's builders. Uh, you need this stuff. So it only makes sense. And I'd love to see uh, this explored a little bit more. And I, and again, I think the high Republic has touched on some of this of, Hey, I've got this call, I've got this lightsaber, but what do I do with it? And what is my path different than the others? Ram comes to mind of, uh, you know, a, a little tinkerer, a mechanic, and where's his yeah. post and all this? So, yeah, this is great, Daniel. Yeah, and Reith Silas uh, wants to be more of an archivist, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and I think what, what comes out in, in the High Republic, and I think you could probably see shades of it in, in the Clone Wars animated series if you're really looking, is this idea that, yeah, people have specialties, but you're kind of expected to be able to do all the basics, right? Every yeah. Jedi is expected to be able to have uh, some skill in diplomacy, certainly some skill in, in lightsaber uh, mm -hmm. combat, right? But I'm sure they're all trained in some amount of like survival skills and uh, some amount of medicine, right? Like everybody's supposed to be well-rounded, but then you can have, you know, real specializations. Mm hmm and we see that with Jocasta New, right? Where like yeah. it's not like that. Oh, that librarian doesn't know how to fight. Like, <laughs> yeah. she takes it to Vader in that comic in a great way. Yeah, yeah. No, it tracks with the uh, you know military and uh, other other organizations, different uh, needs, different skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. So, what other Jedi would you like to hear more about? Either ones that were listed Jedi professions, or you know, are there any that sound jokey at first, but you are legitimately interested in? Uh. The quartermaster and ship mechanic one, or just and someone in requisitions, where you have some really stressed out Jedi in the equipment room <laughs> checking out equipment. If you work in any kind of production or uh, law enforcement, there's someone who's always checking out the the radios of that day. There's always someone who's got it like an Excel sheet and a lot of stress because no one will bring them back. <laughs> and I love those cats. Uh, at, at Defy, there's this uh, great guy Joey Kramer who's actually now on the uh, U.S. cloth dodgeball team uh he was uh, he ran this room and he was great he was very even but i hid in there i almost said he very even peeled like he's a jedi uh he was uh calm <laughs> and collected uh but uh, a lot of stress because people don't respect his equipment that he's got of he's responsible for and so i would always go hang out in his thing so i want that jedi i want the the one who's like let me check you out a speeder okay you crashed the last one bring this back i'm responsible for it i want to see that 
Oh, that's so great. I want to see so many. Like I, I was thinking like a, a Jedi tech inventor and tester. Like uh, mm. if, if there was somebody who like Rom Jamron, uh, who <laughs> is, he does have a connection to the mechanical and, and seeing it is almost organic and how do all the parts fit together uh, like a still spiritual, but like you from James Bond. And it'd be great if there was just like a big bruiser of a Jedi who like, look, your yeah. gift is to be hard on things. <laughs> yeah. You're going to test the equipment to see if it breaks <laughs> love that oh that's really good that's really yeah good. yeah there's a ton of things that i'd be interested in i, I i'm glad to see the agriculture because i think there should be like a jedi gardener in the clone yeah. wars you see all those beautiful plants and it's you know so organic that they they would be tended to um i think like uh i don't know this is the greatest title but like a, a jedi planet healer basically like an environmentalist <laughs> yeah you can kind of go from planet to planet and being like okay so here are the gases you are emitting that are destroying yeah <laughs> your environment let's heal that up that seems like a very jedi thing to do the well the gardener one you know other than uh you know uh connecting to to samwise protecting frodo but imagine the the organic connective kind of words and lessons that that jedi would be able to dispense to all of us yeah it'd be amazing yeah. be great like um would you be interested in a jedi animal whisperer like obviously that's a, a an ability that some jedi do cultivate to be able to mm -hmm. reach out and connect with animals and, and calm them uh but would you be interested in that being like a thing that is a specific profession yeah, and not only that, uh, could is there a course that the younglings are in Padawans are taking, right? That would make sense. If you're ever on Utapau, you might run into a Varactyl, and you know, young Obi-Wan takes a note. Like, this is, this is great. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Any more from you? Uh, the final one, because my mind always goes to food, chefs. Uh, maybe this is where oh, yeah. Porter Ingle uh, says, you know, it's a shame we don't have, like, an actual Jedi head chef. yeah. Yeah, and it does seem like uh, generally uh, cooking and baking is one of the basic skills encouraged by the Jedi Order. Uh, yeah. But I would love that to be a specialization. Because um, well, yeah, there's, there's like some of the discussion around like Dexter and Obi Wan, right? In uh, Brotherhood, of Obi Wan kind of didn't love all the, the Jedi Temple food. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is years after Porter Ingle. But if you were to have a Jedi like him, go look, our our nourishment, our health inside and out is important. So uh, we need better food at this temple or otherwise we're going to be eating greasy uh, space burgers at Dex's. <laughs> I, I agree. I, yeah. To actually be in touch with like what is natural and good and yeah. you know, what is good for the, the different uh, uh, bodies of different kinds of Jedi. Yeah. It's like the idea of a Jedi who is so attuned to force abilities that would be useful in cooking. Like, mm. uh, that, you know, if you're out in the wild and you know, you're, you're stranded and you know, you have to, you know, down an animal and there's a Jedi chef who can like reach out and vibrate like the molecules of the meat to heat it up. <laughs> like we don't need a fire. I can cook it with this the force. Is, this is great. No, you, because also the valuable lessons, like uh, I do more, uh, more of the cooking in our house and, and, and Grace has some things she, she loves to do, but we sometimes get in discussions where she'll ask me like, Hey, can you tell me how to do this? And, and, She's a little bit more of a structured person. I'm a little bit more fill it out, but I'm like, in, look, in the kitchen, it's four scoops. Well, how much scoops? I don't know. Four scoops. You feel it out. Organic versus controlled, you know, <laughs> just kind of flowing versus restricted. So I think that 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 uh, head Jedi chef would be that kind of character, which I think Porter Ingle kind of would be, where 
No, to make the nine eggs stew, you just kind of feel it out when you're there. You let the force guide you through the cooking, and then you might have a young Jedi like, no, I need control. I need a list. I need to know. <laughs> and there'd be some, it, this was a great one shot. Let's get on this. Yeah. Like, is that meat cooked all the way through? Like, it, yeah. yes. Like, well, did you, did you cut it? Did you check? Did you put a thermometer in that space turkey? It's like, no, I can sense the turkey is ready. I would love that. Just said, just feed to the kitchen. You figure it out. You do a sprinkle here, a dash there. Now is the time. The turkey is ready. Uh, this is so much fun. We could talk uh, for hours and hours about Jedi professions. Thanks for the great question, Daniel. But we are going to take a quick break before we make ourselves too hungry. And then we'll be back for two questions from our patrons on Patreon. Back in a moment. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we are back with two questions from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Justin Jacobson. Justin says... How do you think Jawas would handle a Sith relic? 
would they reduce the price to make it someone else's problem sooner? <laughs> Charge extra since it is obviously something magical? Or chuck it into the dunes where it can't bother anyone? I like to think they have a specific crate for creepy junk to accommodate those rare customers that show up looking for creepy junk. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to hear your insights on this. Uh, I love this question. This is uh, so much fun. And I love the idea of some just kind of a, a weird person uh, wandering up uh, to a Java sand crawler and going like, hey, uh, you got any of that, uh, that creepy junk? <laughs> 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 the job is being like, yes, we do. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Ken? Uh, this is great. I, I think I've become just a, a bigger fan of Jawas in the last couple of years, going back to Rick Femi's second chapter of uh, Mandalorian and uh, Tika and Kenobi. That's some of my favorite stuff, man. Just love it. So I uh, appreciate learning more and having a different view on them than I might have in the past, which uh, I would have just found their traveling garage sale, which I think is not wrong. Uh, no. It's just uh, how you look at it. Uh, yeah, as far, as far as this, yeah, I think if they know, number one, I, I love this idea that maybe they just wouldn't know or wouldn't care, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a box. It's a Sith holocaust. I don't know. It's like a box. You tug on it, it kind of turns red. I don't know. And you could kind of talk them down. But I think if they know, and assuming some, like, like Tikus looks like, that's, that's a Jawa that knows. Yeah. Uh, I, think there's, I think it's premium pricing with no bargaining. It's a and sign like you try to go there and talk them down and, and the Jawas are going to tap the sign that says no bargaining, <laughs> no yeah. bargaining, <laughs> no bargaining on creepy junk. Tap the sign. Tap yeah. the sign. I love that. Yeah. I, I The more I thought about this, I just feel like we have been seeing more diversity in Jawas, right? Like mm -hmm. they are, are or, or more multifaceted Jawas. Like, yeah, of course they are. Yeah. They, they're a traveling garage sale, right? Um, they in chapter two of the Mandalorian, they you know, they took apart the Razor Crest uh, to sell parts, standard operation. But then, yeah. you know, they want that egg just because they like that egg, suka suka. You know, mm -hmm. they got a patio on top of the sand crawler. <laughs> they kick back and relax. You know, like seeing the sort of the different facets, the dating jokes with yeah. Pelimoto, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. All that stuff. Seeing seeing uh, uh, Tika have a kind of personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with Obi-Wan and, yeah. and she's really pushing Obi-Wan's specific buttons. Yeah. All of that diversity just makes me think that there is a lot of different approaches from Jawas. So yeah. I think maybe some older, wiser Jawas would find some Sith artifacts, some chalice <laughs> with steam coming off it and be like, nope, 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 nope. Just put that back in the sand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think some Jawas would, would almost be like, uh, susceptible to it right like that it, affected by the greed right and mm. try to sell it to the highest bidder you know um you, you know no matter what it, try to get the most amount of money as possible um mm. Mm. and then i think there may be some who do just kind of have a line on people who are interested in creepy junk like uh, a java that knows uh some specific esoteric collector like mm. I, i'm sure uh, Laura Santeca has some Jawas on the payroll, right? Ooh, like, calling, yeah. who know, like, oh, if you find something weird, that guy's safe to sell to. <laughs> yeah, text Lore. Text Lore. <laughs> text Lore. Because Lore's interested in this stuff and is safe to deal with. Uh, <laughs> which gets me to my other headcanon. Mm. I think that there are, this is a total headcanon, just making stuff up. Mm. Um, I like the idea that there, there are ancient Jawa legends Yes. And the legends boil down to don't sell to the Sith. Like there's mm. some 
no one survived, so no one truly knows the whole story, but some weird, you know, necklace was found, uh, you know, half cracked open, and, you know, some person with yellow eyes and a dark robe wanted to buy it. They tried to barter, and all Jawas died, <laughs> right? Because why would a Sith ever pay for an right. artifact? They right. would slaughter the Jawas and take it, right? So yep. I, I like the idea that there's headcanon of like mm. uh, uh, the the creepy stuff goes to safe people, like Lars Anteca <laughs> or that Obi Wan guy. You, you, you see somebody with yellow eyes, you know, yep. uh, asking for that stuff. It, it, no, no, that is death. That's a I I I, I had a similar just legends kind of thought. There's first of all, you got me thinking. What, what if there's a story? where there is a Sith like apprentice that is trying to impress their master, but also maybe take over and it's all stopped. And the galaxy is saved because a group of Jawas held firm on a price. And, (laughs) and this Sith didn't know how to get past that, even with a lightsaber, like just was so frustrated, but they wouldn't lower the price that it stopped and it saved the galaxy. <laughs> it's one of the Jedi kept one of the Jawas kept happening, no bargaining. And the Sith is like, God, ah, just the pressure of his master. Ah, there you go. Jawas saved the galaxy. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, if like a if a Sith was being told by their master of like, of course you should want to kill, but right now I'm not giving you permission to kill. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of mall, right? We experienced mm-hmm. that, but also just like, hey, don't don't attract attention to us, dummy. Like we're we're <laughs> we're secret for a reason. And so it's a little bit of the frustration. And then the other way, other way I went is one Jawa though, did test their merchandise and became Lord of the Dune Sea. And this happened during like the waning days of the old Republic. So they weren't quite Sith, but they tapped into, they, they tried their merchandise. You don't, you don't do that. And they got to, they, they, they became a false King of the desert or something like that. And there's a tale of, of other Jawas having to take this Jawa out to the Lord of the Dune Sea. Oh, I love this idea of like a, a Jawa possessed by the dark side or yeah. possessed by a specific, you know, ancient. They put on a weird bracelet and yeah. now they're Darth Suka. <laughs> please, please, Brian Ward, I'm begging you, please make that poster. Darth Suka. Anything we want will be ours to devour. Yes. Uh, I would love that. Uh, my final thought on this, Ken, is I think that the if the Jawas are kind of aware of dark siders and have a knowledge to stay away from them because they won't barter, they just kill. In contrast, I wonder if Jawas think Jedi are pretty easy marks. Cause like most of them are really obsessed with truth. They don't think money has, you know, as much value as the rest of society places on it. They're suckers. <laughs> Love, that. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Play, but and, and like, there's a job that's like, you know how you, uh, find jedis uh their their uh, their their uh, ability to to not bargain well it follows them everywhere they can't <laughs> they can't get out of it they're too nice do you want to know how to sell to a jedi <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean some of this is really fun because tika does seem to know that obi-wan mm-hmm. might want jedi stuff or might be intrigued by jedi stuff right yeah. when yeah. when she shows him yeah great stuff very fun question thank you justin well ken we've reached our final question, mm. and this is the one okay. that challenged me. I don't know if it challenged you. Uh, it didn't weigh, yeah, but it sounds like it caused you some torment. I don't, I'm, I'm intrigued here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Like a good teaser trailer. Uh, Douglas Dubois says, Reaching into the vault of your struggles with Star Wars, 
And in light of Taika Waititi with his hand on the tiller of a Star Wars film, what is a moment of whimsy or comedy that you think pushes the limit you feel is still Star Wars, but you love? Not just tolerate or explain why it can still work, but love. Hopefully start controversial, but end on heart emoji. This is a really great question, Douglas. I really took kind of the specificity of what Douglas was saying to heart because there's there are a bunch of moments in Star Wars where I feel like, oh, that's maybe pushing the the edge limit mm-hmm. of like um, whimsy and, and, and the tone, but whimsy and silly has always been a part of Star Wars. Yeah. So, so I can't like, like I was almost going to say like, um, I love in Book of Boba Fett when, when Boba Fett gets so angry and wants to be in, in combat with that rabbit droid, right? Right, yeah. Because uh, it is this high contrast between this, you know, one of the most brutal, efficient fighters in in the lore of Star Wars, Boba Fett, <laughs> versus, you know, a, a robot Bugs Bunny. You know, like that's a high contrast between the kind of the weighty, cool Star Wars and the the whimsical, silly Star Wars. But I, but but it, but all of it is Star Wars to me. Yeah. So I was really trying to think through, like, well, what pushes the limit of what Star Wars is? So that, that's where I started. Where did you go with this? Uh, no, I, w- I was wrestling with how how to answer it uh, because I, I think this is a great question from Douglas about no, no, not one that you say, all right, I, I'll accept it, but what actually really, really works for you? And then then that the, you know, you and I are both fans of the Porgs looking at the lightsaber moment, right? And and. Yep. That might be it, but you and I both discussed that. And even though it's the Star Wars ranked, I think we both discussed how much we love that scene. So that might be an answer. But I also felt that I don't know. That just kind of feels Star Wars. It it, it didn't it didn't rub up against that idea for me. Yeah. So it was I think narrowing down what I actually felt wasn't Star Wars, at least on the surface, was the struggle for me. Yeah, that is it for me because there are moments where like yeah, no, that's a that's maybe a little bit over the top, a little bit uh, silly. Um, you know, there's some stuff in Clone Wars, like that that very dark episode where Savage Press is, you know, looking for uh, his brother Maul, and he's just being, you know, uh, escorted by a snake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Morley, yeah. Morley, it's just a snake with a weird voice. It just, you know, it just yep. is. But that is Star Wars. That, that weird stuff has always been there. That weird and that silly has always been there. I think at the end of the day, for me, the stuff that... I think pushes the limit of what Star Wars is, is a breaking of the fourth wall where um, our real world is acknowledged or something is really too close to um, kind of uh, referencing the real world. Like, um, so this doesn't fit for what Douglas is asking. Uh, It's a line that I will never like. Uh, but I have come to enjoy because I've just heard it a thousand times and I've let go of the anger and I just enjoy the delivery. But in the Phantom Menace, you know, uh, the, the pod racer announcer is saying, I don't care what universe you're from. That's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's like the example of like uh, it's I, technically it's Star Wars because it's, it's, it's in a Star Wars movie made by, you know, the main person who made Star Wars, George Lucas. But for me, it's you know, at the time that it came out, that's gotta hurt was just, that was a catchphrase from every, you know, yeah. uh, uh, comedy film and from Saturday Night Live, you know, mm-hmm. th- that was just, that was uh, very close to things like it, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit or uh, yeah. he's standing right behind me. It was just a total comedy cliche, right? Yeah. But even, even worse from that, I don't care what universe you're from. 
to me, kind of it felt almost like breaking the fourth wall a little bit, you know, of yeah. acknowledging our universe. Uh, so that was that was that's one that I've always struggled with. Well, and that's a great example of of what Douglas is, is having us push past where I'm with you too. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Greg Proops doing one half of, of Foden be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, and, and you and I love the pod race and I lo- and there would, would be an announcer, but yes, how it was executed does stand out, but I've come to appreciate it. So that, so that might be something I would have listed, but I'm like, well, that's yeah. Douglas is asking me to push past that barrier and that's where the struggle struggle got. But I really agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, so that uh, yeah, that doesn't quite fit what Douglas yeah. is asking either yeah. because like, yep, I can I struggle past it and now I enjoy it because it's a, it, the delivery is great and it's just a part of that scene and you know, I I sometimes say it along and enjoy saying it. That's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that is still me wrestling with it. So here's what I came up with. Here is a thing that is uh meta acknowledges the real world, sort of breaks the artifice that this is a movie uh but i love it and i have always loved it it's a weird little thing it is jango fett hitting his head getting back into the starship in attack the clones um (laughs) partially because the reason i enjoy it is the behind the scenes story when you see it in the film you're like is that a reference to the stormtrooper hitting their head in the first film in a new hope um and yeah, the the story behind it uh, was at the time that the stormtroopers were all clones. That was the understanding, right? They mm-hmm. talk about it in in that's obviously not the canon now, uh, but that was kind of the understanding when we were learning that oh, this is where the clone, clone troopers come from. They're all clones of Jango Fett, and then they all become the stormtroopers, right? And the the you know effects team, the CGI team, uh, all, all those people. Uh, put that in there as a joke of like, wouldn't it be funny if it was baked into the stormtroopers DNA that they're not real good for checking their head clearance. (laughs) It's a total meta real world reference. And in fact, one it's, it's a, it's an inside real world joke that is no longer canon. (laughs) It doesn't even track anymore because the stormtroopers aren't clones, but there's something about that. That's always charmed me and hasn't bumped me. It hasn't made me uh, feel like, oh, I got pushed out of the story by yeah. this reference to the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great, that's a great one. I wouldn't have thought of that offhand. Did did you, did you like that? Did you notice that? Were you a fan I, of that bit? I, I did not notice it um, probably for a couple of years. It might've been on, on home viewing that I noticed it, to be honest. I didn't have a, a, a great Easter egg video or something out there for me. Uh, <laughs> Alex hadn't started yet. So yeah, I, I but I, once I saw it, I, I think by the time I saw it, I never, cause I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm, I'm a rebel. I, I stood up. I never really accepted that the stormtroopers were the clone troopers. <laughs> That's a weird little side thing. I was just like, okay, eh, really? Eh, it didn't work for me. Eh, I reject this, even though it was <laughs> uh, canon at, at the time. I, I don't know. Just something about it. I, I didn't, I didn't love. Um, so I'm no great, uh, you know, profit there. I just didn't, I just didn't uh, like it. Um, so I didn't, I didn't notice that one. But once I did, I think it became kind of, I, I did this. I went, huh, uh, all right. And, and, <laughs> so I and when you, when you finally noticed it, were you just like, is this just like some slapstick for slapstick steak? Or when you noticed it on home view and you're like, oh, I, I get it. Uh, hitting, hitting your head on things is in the DNA. It was a little <laughs> bit more positive in the sense of, particularly if you're George, right? I don't know. I'm sure there was other people in that decision. Obviously you're telling a little bit more of the story, but if I'm just thinking George is making his movie, 
eh, wouldn't it be fun? And I think a creator has that right, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, a little reference here and there, uh, something that makes them laugh. I, 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 I love if I got a number, if I'm doing a sketch or a, a, a podcast, comedy podcast, I'll sneak in the number 42 because it's, it's, it's a Douglas Adams reference. And it, mm-hmm. it shows up in a ton of my writing back to high school. Um, and it's just my right to do that. They're like, this is for me. So I thought that might have been for George. And uh, I'm good with that. Yeah. And it might have been. Uh, all right. So I, I, I went through my journey. What is your journey to find uh, something that yeah. maybe pushes the limit of Star Wars, but you just love, don't need to tolerate mm-hmm. or explain, you just love. Yeah, so I I, I put it down, like, all right, if you, if you write it down on paper and just tell me here's what we're going to do, do I go, ooh, I don't know about that. Or, I don't know, like, it, that's kind of how I started approaching. I got some big ones, and, and you have a great uh, moment here, so I'll try to get down to one moment. Um Two re- I mean, I got I got to throw a shout out to the just the whole D Squad arc, mm. and you and I read you know revisited that on Clone Wars report, and that was one that I would at at bars or con- tables and podcasts say, oh god, Star Wars is great, but the, you do have a frog leading droids, and then George comes out. Well, that's actually kind of my favorite episode that one, one <laughs> and and like oh here we go with George, and and revisiting that, yeah, I, it will never be a top 10 uh, arc for me in all the Star Wars, but man, I got it. And I really could stand behind it now. So that's maybe a more recent switch um, where, because it is Star Wars, the the themes, the core of it all is Star Wars. So I'll put that there on the shelf, but I wanted to mention it there. I also, in the same vein, look at Dex's diner and that whole sequence. And you and I have spent a mm. lot of time talking about it. We have a great episode. You and I always uh, reference because we just, one of our favorite episodes we, we we've done. And I find that, a lot of people in my life, uh, if I mention or Dexter's Diner comes up, I think there's a lot of love for Dexter right now in the diner. There's a mm-hmm. lot of Mike Chen and Brotherhood. I think uh, we got uh, we have, you and I haven't read Padawan yet, but I think there's reference in there. Brian Ward loves uh, does some great Dex art. I think there's a, a, a groundswell of support from Dex now, but obviously that has not been the case. But when I, I'll mention to some folks, and it's like they're like, "All right, are you? But are you and Joseph joking?" Like, are you, you, are you doing, are you talking about the themes of that scene with a wink and a nod? And I'm like, no, with all of our hearts, we love that scene. And on the surface, 1950s diner, or it's a reference to American graffiti or whatever. And it's like, yeah, then it ties, ties into the noir, ties into what's going on in the intersection of knowledge and wisdom. It's an important scene. So I love it with all my heart. Um, but that's one on the surface there. And I don't know if that even really qualifies for what Douglas is saying. Uh, but the final two, I'll, I'll get through it quick here. Sorry, I'm grandstanding. No, no, you're, you're not. Take take your time, please. Don't don't rush through them. <laughs> uh, oh, peep it. The mm. concept of oh, peep it. Now, the, the creature, the, the design existed in Star Wars and from Force Awakens, right? I think it was where it's either in or mm-hmm. in. But the concept of a sitcom-like janitor that has a running <laughs> joke. I'm like, eh, this isn't news radio, one of my favorite shows, but I don't need that. I don't need the janitor who's always upset that people are walking on his clean floors. I don't know if I need that. And the way the way we, you and I and others just got pulled into the ballad of Opeepit is just one of those things that on paper I don't think works for me. But in the moment and in the show and in the context of the greater uh, Star Wars saga, it really works. And I love it. I loved it from like the moment I saw it. Yeah, I mean, I think go peep it, it to me. Like, yeah, I know what you're right. You're saying like it sounds like a sitcom bit on paper, but in in practice, 
it is like in some ways like the most Star Wars story to me of it's yes. you know yes. it's a it's a, a a little guy you know yeah. um somebody who is an underdog right just yeah. trying to do what is right and contribute to the greater good and just getting dirt kicked in his face for it and so you feel for him you know yeah so that one really really works and i want more opipid content and merchandise by the way mm-hmm. well, the final one i'll, I'll stumble and, and this is where again it was challenging because it, it's like what am i what am i am i actually answering the question am i actually working through this and i went through and i don't know this might be a surprise but grogu stealing the cookies mm. is is that Star Wars? Is it little space baby wants cookies? Cookies are in the Star Wars galaxy. I know we got Wookiee cookies, and they're macaroons that you can now buy for like a hundred bucks. Um, and it's a great, you know, it's a comedy beat. So flash forward, but you know, again, love it, love it. But again, on paper, I'm I'm, I'm approaching this on paper. If you're like, it's going to be a cookie stealing bit, then he's going to barf them all up. I'm like this is, is we got this is Star Wars though. This is the myth. This is the inspirational hero's journey. What's stealing cookies got to do with it? And again, all the themes are there. You and I have talked about it, but I love it. But again, on paper, Grogu's going to steal some cookies in class. Like, what is this? Amblin Entertainment? Like, what is this? I don't know. I don't know if I'd like it. Uh, And then it happens and it's wonderful. And I'd love to buy those $100 macaroons. So this is really interesting because you're focusing on the on paper and about like you're focusing on the difference between what the concept might sound like versus what is brought out in the execution. Yeah. Yeah. And again, does that exactly nail Douglas's question? I don't know. But when he's thinking, because he brings up Taika Waititi and, you know, on paper, two, two biker scouts are going to miss their blasters because that's what stormtroopers do. Doesn't really work for me. And then it doesn't work on screen for me as much. And I know you rub up against that one too a little bit. So I just built out from there. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's always the really challenge one. Like, as a fan of comedy, I think that it's brilliantly executed. It is a great joke. But all, but for me, these stormtroopers can't hit. There's some amount, they miss all the time. They don't have a good aim. There's some amount of, like, uh, I can kind of get behind the canon story of, like, yeah, no, they're just kind of pumped out into the galaxy, and they overwhelm by numbers, not by their training. You know, I love older clone troopers being grumpy about how these <laughs> the stormtroopers are nothing compared to the skill level of the clone troopers so you can i can kind of get into all the canon of that but then it also just feels a little bit like it's a real world joke that we've all made for decades mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no matter how almost in contrast to what you're saying is like no matter how well executed it is i feel like we've we've covered it as a joke in star wars you know yeah yeah mm-hmm so I think that also has a little bit to, to do with what, what I feel good about is like, uh, is the joke fresh? You know, no matter how well executed it is, it does it feel fresh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, this is really, really great to wrestle with what kind of things that people bump up against in uh, Star Wars comedy in particular, uh, but also just what they what they celebrate. And it, it sounds like a, a lot of what you're celebrating is the skill in the execution of the joke. Yeah, anything can be Star Wars if you dream it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, I raise a cup of Jawa juice, which other people are bothered by, but doesn't bother me. Uh, uh, It it raises questions always about exactly what Jawa juice is. And, uh, you know, these these, uh, Jawas that we've uh, so far canonically only seen on a few planets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why is everybody so familiar with their juice? Uh, Fascinating. 
endlessly fascinating. Any final thoughts on this question? Well, it all connects. Dexter traveled to Tatooine and bartered for a Sith artifact with Jawa, who refused <laughs> to sell it to him at the, a, a bargain price. And then uh, they gave him a concoction that they made in their own kitchen that they learned oh. from a Jedi chef. It all tracked together, and then uh, a documentary filmmaker uh, made a film about it and cut a trailer that was very, very accurate so people knew exactly what they were going to see. Exactly. Oh, this is about how Jawa juice got made and how it's there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we we have to be very careful about making this a new facet of <laughs> yeah, Cues yeah. of the Force uh, we, so we don't try to wrap every question together <laughs> every time. All right. Thanks, everyone, for the great questions. Thank you, Douglas. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, Kevin. Uh, we do have another Power of the Light Side entry. This comes to us from HC. Uh, we put calls out for these on our uh, Patreon. You, if you're a patron, just scroll down in the list of posts and find the call for Power of the Light Side. We just ask people to share something joyful about Star Wars. Here's what HC has to say. Hi, Joseph, Jennifer, and Ken. I hope this finds you well. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast, not only because you always view anything in Star Wars in a more positive light than others, but you also look into the deeper meanings that George and other creators in the space are going for. Growing up, my stepdad was my main movie and music guy, and Star Wars was absolutely no exception to this. Hell, he said he even got to dress up as a stormtrooper in the first movie out on the dunes outside Yuma, Arizona. The story was he was in high school at the time, late 70s, and they came to his school looking for extras to dress as stormtroopers. He said he even got to see Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. He's passed on since, and I cannot completely confirm that they filmed anything in the dunes near Yuma for the first movie at all. So I kind of chalk this up to the famous quote from the man who shot Liberty Valance. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. With Andor coming up, I'm reminded of when I watched Rogue One months after my dad passed and thinking about how much he would have enjoyed that movie. I know he liked the prequels and he liked The Force Awakens, and I wish he had been able to see The Mandalorian. Every time I see new or revisit Star Wars, my thoughts always go to him and what he would have thought and liked. Would he think The Last Jedi was as good as I think it is? Would he have made devil horns and yelled, dude, when watching Solo? <laughs> I'm, ever thankful, I'm ever thankful for his influence on my tastes in movies, TV, and music, and I wish that if I have children of my own that I can pass that on to them. Thank you to the three of you for everything you bring to this endeavor, and may the force be with you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. This is really, really a, a wonderful, great tribute to loving Star Wars, but also loving the connections that it makes with the people in our lives. Ken, what are your thoughts? I love that. And yeah, I know there might have been some New Hope stuff in the desert locally here, right? Death Valley or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I always associate like, Yuma are just outside Yuma with the turn of the Jedi. So maybe he got his legend wrong. Maybe in, in retelling it, he was actually in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I, know. I love that though. Yeah, no, there's, uh, I did some Googling, basic mm -hmm. Googling Wikipedia, you know, it says Yuma, obviously Return of the Jedi, but also, you know, the special edition. Um, so, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah. maybe it was the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, I also like the possibility that, you know, uh, maybe th this was a fan film. <laughs> there you go. An early fan. Who knows? Who uh, knows? Uh, but as, as HC acknowledges, it's the the spirit yes. of this story uh, that is powerful. This idea of of wanting, yeah. uh, uh, the idea of being connected to it, of being near it, and and I've seen sort of the machinery of it, right? The yeah. the reality of it, uh, of of yep, this is a story that was filmed by humans, um, mm. but then within it, there's all this magic. 
Um, and I hear a lot of people talking about the, you know, parents' relationship to, to Star Wars, and it's always really moving to me. Yeah. Um, I really uh, want to show my dad uh, the Mandalorian. Um, he, he lives in Minneapolis, so I got to find the, the right time. But I, I just, I know he would love that one, and I know I would get um, <laughs> mm-hmm. these very specific dad feelings because uh, it is the kind of story that he introduced me to, and I think he'd just be so delighted to find it and we could share it together. Yeah. So I, I'm really affected by all these all these uh, kinds of stories. Yeah, no, I love it, Heather. Great stuff. I, I love the connection. love the legends. I love that you probably heard the Stormtrooper story uh, so many times, and, and you now can hear it again and again and again in your heart, your mind, and your soul. And that's, yeah, the familiar uh, uh, family connections and, and the uh, generational, uh, uh, you know, traditions of, of love and star Wars. I, I just love that. Um, uh, I experienced a little bit different where my, my, my folks got me started on it, but they didn't still to this day, don't really know what I love it too much. So uh, I, I think I pass it on to all of you in the, in the force center world, uh, <laughs> a different version of it for me. Uh, uh, but I love, I love the connections and they run deep and they run deep. And, and the idea, you know, it's bittersweet and it gets sad of thinking of what, what would they mm-hmm. not? Uh, and you never know that answer, but I think you can imagine. And uh, I think it's very powerful. Um, uh, um, um, a friend of the show who had passed away last year, uh, Zachary Bassinger, uh, he, when we talked often uh, about, it was always the next big thing, the next pop culture property, Marvel, but especially Star Wars, which was near and dear to his heart. That that was, that little thing was sometimes all that would keep him going on a one day, you know, it's a complicated mm-hmm. journey. Um, and, and passed away last year. And I, I wonder too, wow, I wonder what DMs he would have sent me over Kenobi. And I think in your heart, Heather, you know the answer. And they would have uh, loved it just as much as you or loved certain parts. And, and you, you know the conversations you would have had. And devil horns would have been made. Yeah. I mean, man, that that's just made me smile a, a million times. Would he have made devil horns and yelled, dude, when watching Solo, which I personally feel is the correct response to solo. <laughs> I love that turn of phrase and that yeah. picture of that picture of who this man was, that that's how he might've reacted to solo. It's so beautiful. Absolutely. And it goes back to the beginning of our conversation, that trailer, that guitar hits. Dude. <laughs> uh, well, one more time. Thank you very much for sharing that uh, Heather. And thank you for uh, all your support and kind words. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we're the Force Center Podcast feed. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, if you want to uh, subscribe over on YouTube and uh, hit that notification bell, you won't miss things like our monthly live Q&As and more things coming. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, kennapsock.com. You can find things like my radio show, Pop Rock and Radio, or my Rings of Power and uh, House of the Dragon discussion podcast, Casterly Talk. Check it out. Check it out. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I'll be sharing some more uh, of my beloved action figures on TikTok in particular. So find me there if you are interested in that for updates on all my other comedy adventures and uh, past comedy albums, the past comedy book, all sorts of stuff like that is available on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the Sith possessed Jawa Darth Suka, this has been Force Center.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.